Hi there and welcome to episode 20 of the Frameworks and Flywheels podcast. In this episode we discuss the bookstore business and how things have changed over the years especially in the age of Amazon and even more so now post COVID-19. We discuss the changing economics of the business and how stores can remain relevant and profitable by reinventing themselves. We close things out with our content recommendations of the week. We hope you like this one. Happy listening. Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to the Frameworks and Flywheels podcast. Uh, this is Achyut. And this is Chaitanya. So, hi Chaitanya. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Achyut, how have you been? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing good as well. Uh, still trying to figure out how to work remote. That's a perpetual theme of our podcast now. I think we will come back every two episodes to the same topic. <laughs> just the same topic, yes. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's better now, but uh, I, I think it's, even if it's not, uh, might as well get used to it uh, for the next, uh, next couple of quarters at least uh, or, or, or so, right? That's, that's something yeah. that's, uh, yeah, I guess, bound to happen. That's true. So how how things uh, at at your end? Obviously, you have uh, uh, started working. So big professional news there as well. Uh, so yeah, congratulations and uh, thank you. Uh, and obviously, you started working uh, remote, right? So unlike unlike us, who were working before uh, before the before the pandemic, and we were working, we got a chance to interact with physical uh, with with people in person. Uh, this yeah. experience would be something new, right? That's true. I mean, I'm working. Uh, I'm working at a place now where I'm working remote from the start, so I've never met anybody in person, which is an odd sort of experience. I think, yeah, this entire, uh, yeah, yeah, but but a lot of things would would uh, change, right? Uh, in terms of how we uh, interact, as in obviously things like uh, going out to watch movies and going out to uh, restaurants for for, for for meals and so on. Uh, that obviously uh, does uh, change significantly, right? And I'm, I'm sure all the other aspects, like groceries, obviously uh, something that we have discussed in the past as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like for the next one year, this life is going to be weird. I mean, I, I'm hoping for a miracle, really. Let's see. Uh, I, I mean, in particular, the, the part that I miss the most, I think the two things that I miss the most. Right. Uh, one is just walking around, going on long walks, which uh, I, we don't. I mean, at least right now, we're not doing much of. Right. Um, just being cautious and stuff, and the other is actually going to bookstores. So it's just you know one of those things where um, often, even if I didn't buy a book, I'd often go to a bookstore. Uh, and there are a couple in, in Bangalore that I really like. Right, uh, which ones? So, so Church Street, uh, you know, which we used to frequent a lot. Church Street on on Bangalore has some really great secondhand bookstores. The most famous of those is actually is Blossoms, which is like a right. hotspot for book lovers in Bangalore. There yeah. are also some other really good ones. So there's Bookworm on the same road and there is um, Bookworm now has a new branch. So that's actually quite nice. And, and down there are a couple of new ones as well right. on right. the same road. So mm-hmm. it's a great street in general for, you know, just uh, hanging out if you're, uh, if you're into books, right? So, and, and, and Blossoms now has like two branches as well. So, so mm-hmm. just, you know, just that, that, that experience is just, um, I really miss that, um, and and you know it's it's interesting because like during this lockdown, in the I think a couple of months ago, uh, Dunzo sent me a notification saying that Blossoms is now on Dunzo, so you can actually. That's um, great. Yeah. So, so not just like that. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm I'm just saying that uh, so can you can buy books on Dunzo and uh, on on through on Blossoms with Blossoms through Dunzo, and uh, then Dunzo delivers it to your home. Exactly. So, okay. and, and I mean, earlier, earlier, I think, I think you could still like call a Dunzo, I mean, set a Dunzo task to somebody to go buy from Blossoms, but now they actually have like a, a, a Dunzo listing for Blossoms. So they have like a list of books that they show you and, but I don't think they, they have all the books, but there are only some that are cataloged. More importantly, I don't think, uh, I think they're, they're overpriced as well. So Blossoms is famous, uh, is a bookstore that's famous for giving you 20% off on every book. Sure. Uh, but Dunzo is showing me MRP prices. But anyway, but I think that got that got me thinking about a pet topic of mine, which is that you know what are we going, what are what's going to happen to bookstores, right? Even like pre-pandemic, it was something that I thought about. Right, right. Uh, because it's one of those things that a lot of people like me and I think you also, to some extent, are, are emotionally attached to. But the business itself seems to be sort of you know dying, and it it seems unsustainable in this age of Amazon and Flipkart and you know 
right right so so that you know we could talk about that in this episode uh yeah. i i yeah are you a bookstore person i i would say as an at least at least here uh, since since we are talking uh, the, uh talking in uh, let's say public in a in a public forum i obviously uh, uh, just to satisfy uh-huh. my ego i would have to say yes uh, but yeah, yeah i i do i do enjoy visiting uh, bookstores i think that's uh, a, that used to be at least pre pandemic days used to be a big uh, 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 let's say i i used to spend a lot of time at airport terminals uh, browsing right. through books i don't yeah. think i have bought like more than one or two books at an airport terminal because of okay. simply simply because of the price that they that they offer uh, yeah. but uh, usually i'm there in those stores and uh, uh, with with the note application on my on, on my phone uh, just making yeah. a note of books that i want to order from uh, from amazon uh, yeah. later on right? so just to create a, a bucket list so as to, uh, of of the uh, of the books uh so so yeah uh, uh i i obviously do enjoy going to uh, to bookstores uh, but very interesting as in given the uh, the the business model obviously danzo is uh, like an extremely interesting use case uh, to think about uh, in terms of how they are uh, uh, let's say how how bookstores are operating their uh, let's say financials uh, and what's the future right at least for bookstores in general um okay. and uh, uh, even even a broader topic would be what's the future for books and uh, uh, and uh, content or information consumption right uh, if you can yeah. just keep broadening the scope uh, to a to a much larger level uh, but yeah right. bookstores obviously uh, pre pandemic as you rightly pointed out have been facing a lot of problems uh, particularly because of one big bad company which is uh, which is amazon Uh, and uh, they famously obviously started with books as the first category which they were selling right and obviously it does make a lot of sense uh, to use books as a category to uh, to grow a retail business right because uh, obviously of uh, as it's it's very well documented that the long tail that you have with respect to books uh, is something that's much easily manageable given the powers of uh, internet versus uh, a physical brick and mortar bookstore right uh, which is of which is something that uh, amazon leveraged and uh, obviously uh, on top of that they started giving a lot of discounts and margins and so on uh, which essentially brought brought a lot of customers from bookstores towards uh, buying on amazon right uh, so if yeah. if i have to talk about on a, on a personal level i have like right now it's it's skewed towards 80% of the purchases happen on amazon uh yeah. and 20% happen on bookstores but footfall is still there but the purchases don't really happen right you get you get a better deal uh and in most cases it's not impulsive at least for me it's not impulsive to go to a uh, to to buy a particular book and or, or i would rather wait for a couple of days to get that get that particular book um get a particular book and uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's that's why obviously amazon becomes far more convenient Uh, both from a pricing point of view as well as from a uh, let's say customer perspective mm-hmm. do you and have, i think that's been yeah, the yeah. yeah no i think yeah. that's been the big challenge for bookstores right because as in people like us go into price comparison i we use it for discovery and then you use it you use it as a, you do price comparison and then you decide to just order instead yeah which would which would actually kill a passionate bookstore owner such as uh, uh, the one sat blossoms or, or so on right we'll have uh, yeah. 100 year old bookstores Uh, in a lot of cities right in most in almost all cities will have such bookstores right yeah uh, and uh, it obviously this if i remember correctly there was an mba case study as well uh, in which uh, um, a bookstore owner or a, or a retailer or a, yeah it, it was a bookstore owner right in which the bookstore owner confronted a a, a, a consumer who was taking photographs of books right so as to keep a record and so on i i think there was a point of time when amazon allowed you to do that in which you can just uh, take a photograph of a particular product and do a price comparison uh, i think they started this with books uh, if i am not wrong but obviously stopped it because of all sorts of problems that it would cause from an antitrust perspective right okay uh, right i didn't say it know that but but amazon did some sort of a price discrimination because there, there was a point of time if i remember correctly early in the 2000s uh, amazon did experiment significantly with price discrimination giving different prices to different people and so on right uh, so all okay. all the all the all the three degrees of price discrimination that you can uh, that you can use uh, and amazon was trying to do that but stopped because of a lot of public backlash that happened 
uh, or public regulatory, not so much at that point of time, but a, a lot of public backlash that happened with respect to changing prices and so on, uh, both from uh, retailers as well as from the end customers. Mm. Right, but but again, that that's the challenge that you would face as a as a, a bookstore owner, right, or or bookstore retailer, if I put it like that. Yeah, and there's not even much you can do, right? Because I mean, uh, as we were discussing before this, right? Like, uh, there's like a forty percent margin that you have, I think, on average with uh, with physical books that you're selling as a bookseller. Right, right. And uh, and I mean, uh, so you can cut into it and give, uh, you know, you probably give twenty percent off, as as we were talking about in case of blossoms. Right. But uh, because Anam, because Amazon's pricing is so dynamic, they can like they can really you know um, customize pricing, and you know it's it's they can you know offer deals and all of that, right? So, and right. we haven't even got to the part where you know people also buy eBooks, right? So so that's a separate discussion. Right. right. But um, but but obviously pricing is the big challenge, and pricing meets real estate, right? So that's the ironic like it's like a double whammy of uh, this thing, right? That uh, unlike say a warehouse, you you need to have for a bookstore you have to have prime real estate in 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 a in a in a nice location, and you know you need to maintain that sort of it's it's, it's customer facing real estate, right? It's not a storehouse of books, right? right. Uh, which is why it's like doubly expensive, right? Right. And that so your costs are higher, and and you can't uh, and you can't get people to pay, mm-hmm. which is why it's like this tricky proposition, and there's no this thing. Uh, actually, in some ways, I feel like that there are parallels to the online content business so like news and stuff in the sense that there is there are lots of people who are emotionally attached to it but right. not enough people who want to pay for it so okay so okay. it's like uh, yeah so it's like say people like people like you and I who are saying that uh, we really enjoy the experience we want to keep going there but we're not necessarily willing to pay for it so it's a lot, it's like a lot of these news sites where you're like um, yeah i like this site i go to it a lot but i don't really want to pay for a subscription and uh, I mean, now things are changing, right? So now we're seeing that, okay, it turns out online content, the market of paying subscribers is larger than we realized. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's not as large as earlier. And, you know, the economics of the news business aren't as, aren't as good as they were 20 years ago. So, so this right. is the same thing with book selling, right? It's that, you know, the, the book selling business was massive, say, 20 years ago, right. uh, you know, pre-Amazon. But then uh, and it's no longer this, you know, as profitable as it once was, right? Uh, so, uh, and but so so what that means is that you have to figure out a new way of so it's a, it's a question of monetization. Like you have to figure out a new way to monetize uh, because the demand is there. Is just that, you, that but there's a business model shift. So you have to figure out how to monetize in in both in like newer ways uh, via sell, selling newer stuff, maybe complementary items and stuff, okay. but also like maybe new models, right? So subscription, not subscription directly, but something you need to figure out. Uh, some intelligent way of doing this, right? So, right, uh, yeah, but but uh, so uh, as I would I would slightly disagree in that sense that uh, that the demand. Uh, uh, so you you mentioned that the demand is there, right? Um, yeah. So on on the whole, obviously, I would agree that the demand is there for books in general, or people buying books. Uh, but from a, let's say an addressable demand kind of a thing, uh, is yeah. that something that does exist for a blossom so is, is this something that is uh, like um, the ship has already sailed right uh, because uh, you are getting a better deal for every single book on amazon uh, and possibly if you're living in bangalore uh, i don't think there's a this is a significant time lag as well right because they will have that uh, that advantage of supplying you that particular book within a couple of days Right, and if you are on Prime, and a lot of people in India, at least people in Bangalore who are buying from Amazon, usually are on Prime. Um, mm-hmm. So then, obviously, it does help uh, in in getting those one day, two day deliveries uh, through Prime itself, right? Uh, which essentially saves me a lot of uh, hassle if I am trying to buy a book, right? So as a bookseller or a retail uh, outlet, as in again pre pre COVID as well, right? How do you compete with yeah. an Amazon uh, or, or 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 a Flipkart for that matter? Exactly right, and actually, the, the, there's a the, you made a great point about addressable demand, uh, which is a great caveat to add that. Um, the books I, address, have, I, I don't think addressable demand is the right uh, technical term, but yeah, you get the point. Yes. Yeah, but I think people understand what, what you mean there. So, right, right. because um, as you said, as with um, 
uh, bookstores in any other physical location it's also a lot about proximity right so you right. actually have to go there to buy so so that means that you know your your actual customer base is probably only within a 5 km radius or a 10 km radius right sure uh, some bookstores that have like a massive brand like i mean i feel like blossoms is now for example blossoms is that kind of you know local bookstore which has a certain pull so people probably make that trip you know may probably go a longer distance to make that trip right and there might be a f- few like that but those are really really rare right of course by and large yeah, yeah. the people visiting there must be like i i know a couple of friends who had heard so much about it that when they were uh, in bangalore for a day for a work trip they actually made the trip to blossoms spent an hour there and then you know went straight to the airport nice. right so Nice. But those are, uh, but those are again like far and few, right? That's not really a business model uh, that you can. Uh, yeah, so that's like that's, that's just a, that's an outlier. Right? Blossoms would be an outlier it, with respect to the bookstores that you're talking about. Exactly. So it's it, exactly. So it's like a, it's like this outlier cult, but local brand. Right. So right. even in the worst of times, probably you know Blossoms would make it through, but not a lot of the other smaller bookstores. Even like the chain bookstores, right? So in India, at least you see you see that many of the crosswords themselves are closed. Okay. I don't have a store number, but uh, but you know a lot of the crossword locations have closed. For example, at least where I live, and you okay. see the same with Landmark. The store sizes have come down and stuff like that. So the chains aren't doing that great. Sure. Um, yeah. In the in the US, interestingly, so it turns out that the, uh, indie bookstores are doing better again. Okay. It's sort okay. of like this. This maybe because Amazon has been around in in the US for longer, right? So it seems like there's this. I won't call it a backlash, but it's it's like uh, so. I was reading some there's some paper around this that um, a lot of local bookstores have actually started doing well again because you know their owners are emphasizing about you know uh, support your local community and support your local bookstore and that that sort of thing, right? So people are actually right. pitching in and you know starting to do that, right? So uh, and maybe because they've seen e-commerce a little longer than we have, uh, there is that um, almost like a reverse impulse. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, like like how now we we are going to bookstores and you know looking for the cheaper thing online. Right. Maybe like three years down the line, we'll you know we'll see the we'll you know we more prominently see the impact of online commerce, and then you know we'll we'll do the opposite. That you know you'll explicitly buy the more like I do that sometimes even now. Like I, I just buy a book on hand at Blossoms because I'm like you know what they could I mean, they could use it. Like, right. Uh, right. I mean, I'm, it's okay if Amazon doesn't get my order, but these guys would you know could could do it. <laughs> right. So so I think that. that that local community aspect is really the only pull it's a very emotional sort of uh, pull and it's not actually quantifiable or scalable per se but right. um, but turns out it is actually a thing right it's 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 one of those um, things that you know you, you can't actually maximize it per se but it exists and it turns out you can build a sustainable business on top of it right, uh, right. And, and maybe that's the what we'll you know probably have to default to sure that that uh, that does make sense uh, so let's let's come to that particular point that's a very interesting point in terms of business transformation for the uh, for your bookstores right on yeah. uh, how how can they look beyond um, let's say just selling books right because selling biz- books business is something that's uh, not growing uh, or, or essentially that's that's uh, not even stagnating right it's falling it's tanking right now for them uh, so um, so the, 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 i would like i would like to clarify here though that the, you know the print surprisingly the book business in india is growing the print book business is, in india is growing it's yeah. one of the few market i think the the only like reasonably large market in the world where the print business is growing which is like, it's absurd so print business um, in terms of the number of books that are being printed right uh, no no print, as in printed books being sold sure. um, india is actually growing i i think that's uh, true think for that's true for all uh, i think that's it's growing in the us as well right uh, which is like a more evolved market if you have to put it like that no no it, it was contracting for the longest time because of ebooks right but now it's sort of stagnated and i think it's growing again uh like that, that will actually come to that as well right the, the, the ebooks sure. thing has sort of you know weirdly uh, so uh, so you're going to make yeah so 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 ebooks i think in the us what has happened is that uh, there was a lot of uh, increase or there was a lot of growth uh, that ebook was essentially eating into print books but uh, yeah. i think in the last 5 years or so what we have seen in the us is i think um, the print books or the physical books have grown at a much higher rate than uh, than ebooks and ebooks have essentially contracted for some very weird reason i don't even understand that. i think i think it's got something to do with the devices that are available and so on but uh, uh, no i think uh, part of it also is that there's a legal case in the uh, in the us right so um, 
So Amazon can't set prices uh, on e-books there. Right. So it turns out okay. that you know, and, and so in many cases, e-books are more expensive than. Um, uh, it, it's because of how pricing works differently for e-books versus print books, at least in the, in the US. So in many cases for them, the Kindle book is more expensive than the physical book. Right. So, right. so apparently that's one of the reasons that it's sort of tapered off and, you know, it, it, I think e-books are now, I think some 20% of sales or something like that. Um, broadly. So, uh, which is fascinating that, you know, you think that for the longest time, say 10, 12 years ago, everyone thought that e-books would kill books, physical right. books and, and that right. didn't happen. Right. So, I mean, for various reasons, at least, uh, and the US is our lead indicator because it's the most advanced market on that front. Sure. But um, but even in India, for example, uh, as I said, right, that, you know, the the print market is growing quite healthily. Like, it, I, I just had a stat that I think from last year that uh, the the uh, CAGR for the print book industry was expected to be, or for the book industry broadly was supposed was expected to be like twenty percent, which I thought was I mean, which is like great, right? Like right. Um, we still have a lot of headroom to grow. That means. Um, so yeah, go, going back to your earlier question. Yeah. 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 So uh, uh, I was essentially talking about the retail side of things. Uh, I, I do understand. I, I think it, it does make intuitive sense that the print business overall in India would be growing. Uh, and obviously uh, we can, we, the, the difference might come in terms of uh, where are these being uh, sold at, right? So either are they, are they yeah. sold at, uh, uh, at an e-commerce store, uh, especially in cities like Bangalore and so on, versus uh, let's say a physical brick and mortar store. Uh, where you are selling books, right? And that's possibly, I, I do understand the penetration of the growth will happen in tier two, tier three, uh, rural areas and so on in terms of uh, where, where there's a larger potential for, for growth for, for print books, right? Yeah. Um, what I was talking about in terms of, uh, let's say the struggle that you're, that's, that's what you're talking about, right? The struggle that individual bookstore owners will have or the retailers will have. Um, yeah. with respect to maintaining that particular margin, because you are essentially per book, you are looking at around 30 to 40% of margins. Uh, and if your business is continuously going to an Amazon, uh, then you essentially run out of business, right? Because you look, you want to look at uh, different ways to monetize, right? And then that's right. the points that you were making about business transformation on how eBooks or how books would have to look or bookstores would have to look at uh, imagining themselves as something else rather than just bookstores, right? Correct, uh, correct. But uh, uh, let's say if we just stick to the bookstores bit for now, uh, before moving on to the business transformations, I'm just trying to understand if it's possible for bookstores to maintain that level of margin and sales uh, in the current format itself without going towards business transformation and so on. Like the whole experiential business that you were talking about. Uh, I, one I thing is probably not. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what, right. So the, the, the Amazon advantage that, that the advantage that an Amazon or a, or a Flipkart will have is that they have information of what is being searched, right? So Amazon essentially accounts for 40, 50% of products uh, searched Search, for yeah. or by buyers on online, right? Buyers on the, on the internet, uh, Correct. which is like significantly higher than Google and, uh, and everybody else. So uh, Amazon does understand the demand. Uh, Amazon does have a lot of supplier uh, uh, network uh, to fulfill mm -hmm. long tail businesses, right? So what mm -hmm. if businesses go towards, let's say niche offerings. So for example, you don't have a Blossoms. Blossoms is a different example. Right? So let's assume bookstore A in Bangalore, uh, which is yeah. just focused on, um, let's say technology books or technology and business books, right? Which is essentially most of the 50, 60% of the crowd that's there in Bangalore essentially is in that business. Uh, so right. if you look at a niche offering, then obviously you improve uh, your chances of uh, hitting that long tail. Uh, and somehow if you can get access to uh, consumer search data, right? That is what you can also give to, uh, to, uh, to, in, to, uh, to, to your consumers who will be inclined to walk into your store. Uh, obviously yeah. you cut out a significant portion of the population, but that is something that you don't, that, that is something that is fine with you, given that you are able to sell uh, the books in a quantity that you can. So is that something that would be possible or, or is that something that's like uh, impractical and uh, won't work in the, in, in, in the, in the real world? No, but the weird thing is that the, in that case, your best option is actually to become a seller on Amazon, right? Because uh, I mean, uh, all the things you mentioned right? that your niche uh, niche and long tail focused and that uh, and you get some customer data so i mean becoming a seller on amazon probably makes the most sense in that case right because you're like you know that there's enough demand and 
uh, and you, you you already have your you pre-targeted them basically mm-hmm. so uh, and and this is something we haven't spoken about you know that what if for some book business book so bookstore uh, people their best option is to like shut their main store and just become a warehouse that you know sells online uh, on on amazon right as a, as an additional seller on amazon because there are those as well right? there are you, you do have multiple sellers it's not just amazon selling books on on its website right um, i mean there's the whole mechanics of the buy button and stuff right so um i mean so so uh practically speaking uh, is is it is it that feasible I, i mean i don't know any category that has that kind of um depth and uh, demand and you know to get people to it like and and then obviously yeah. obviously understanding that demand i think that knowledge is something that's available the biggest the two big sources of uh, let's say book related information are owned by amazon right so one is obviously amazon the store and then the second yeah. one is goodreads which is possibly the biggest community that's uh, there online yeah. which is also Correct. owned by amazon so uh, yeah. amazon does have access to both uh, the demand side of as in, i don't think there's there are better companies who understand consumer demand at least in the book category uh, than Correct. amazon in the world right so yeah. that is obviously a challenge yeah to add to your point about niche so this just came up and it's something that i joked about before somebody else that um, about niche bookstores right so uh, i don't know if you watched the movie notting hill so hugh grant is uh, famously the, the owner of a travel bookstore in london in notting hill in that movie okay and um, which is like a really uh, i mean it's it's quite an expensive place and stuff yeah. so and, and I, somebody joked to me that you know like how does one even run a travel bookstore so it's a it's a bookstore that has only travel books and it's like a fairly large bookstore and stuff sure. and this movie was in like in 99 so i think that time it maybe such a business would actually have been sustainable i do not know sure. but i was just thinking about your example around uh, you know having a niche long tail bookstore and like there's no way i think that um, the book business now would support something like that right like running a travel bookstore or a technical bookstore right right uh, textbooks are a different deal uh, i i don't know like the text the textbook market is really large uh, and even in india and elsewhere i think right, right? right. so and uh, and there's of course there are other reasons for it also mm-hmm. uh, textbook reselling and and you know and people need them every year so there's like um seasonal demand and things like that right uh but i don't think well where come where, where necessarily addressing that right now um but yeah right. yeah and I, do you think actually mm-hmm. going this is going back to your um, point about customer data yeah uh, and we spoke about this once about you know about our solutions about pricing solutions for um, amazon sellers right and you were looking at some of these things once right right, right. uh do you think an offline version of that to be sold to offline in the sense that uh, a retailer version of that a physical retailer version of that for bookstores for example uh do you think something like that could actually help them uh, do better like you know offer dynamic pricing on on books so it's not just that um oh look these books are like you know are, are old things so we're giving them an extra 10% off but actually that you know uh there is actually some kind of dynamic pricing so when you're doing the price comparison on amazon right it also this you know in this books price is actually changing and all you need to do is scan a barcode and it tells you the you know the the set price and and maybe there's an algorithm that you know optimizes for your bookstore similar to what amazon does except that you do this at a local store level sure but uh, the, i i think it it works but it it works and it works at scale uh, or it would work at scale uh, but the and and obviously you would need to have the level of data that an amazon has uh, with respect to how people are interacting with books and recommendations and what not uh, to to make a to make a judgment call with respect to pricing and and give that level of dynamic pricing to to the customers mm-hmm. right uh, and then you get stuck right. in the same problem because the only company that has data is your competitor right so you can't compete with that particular i don't see amazon uh, ever providing that data out to individual retailer folks uh, yeah so um, and and obviously it does not make sense anymore right so i, I guess amazon has really stopped innovating in terms of books as a category right so you don't see a lot of evolution with respect to kindle happening uh, there might be uh, i i think that there are a lot of pros uh, of uh, not innovating or not touching kindle too much i think they tried that with fire and so on uh, which essentially did not work 
so but that's sort of a different use case though i mean uh, to be fair right but, but but if, if you just look at ebooks and this is something i just uh, dial back to the point that you're talking about right ebooks so ebooks as a business i think over the last the entire decade is essentially a lost decade for ebooks right so there's i think kindle paperwhite uh, has been around for some time now and uh, that's the latest version obviously they keep in, improving the hardware specs and the software and so on but as yeah. a device it's essentially the same device right uh, and ebook yeah. as a business is something that is just uh, stagnating with amazon because amazon is not really investing into it right and there was uh, there there have been spurts uh, i do understand that when they acquired goodreads and they were they, they acquired audible at this around the same time they acquired imdb around the same time and they're looking at communities right from an online perspective mm. trying to build communities for movies build communities for books and so on uh and yeah. essentially trying to grow that business but uh off late uh, i am not sure why uh either either because of the focus on retail and so on uh the whole the whole focus from books as a category has shifted right so we haven't seen uh, any significant innovation uh or any significant disruption that has happened either through competitors and would be very difficult for competitors to do that uh, but within amazon also they haven't really tried disrupting this particular category uh, simply because as in my understanding is that the profits are not there uh, in the in the long run in this particular business as well but there is one thing i'll argue against there though because amazon has started physical bookstores in the last two years i think right right so since like 2018 or so they they have a lot of the things that we talk about um, in terms of you know what what would a bookstore of the future look like and you know what are these things that it can do to stand out right the amazon bookstores actually do that so if you look at the things they do right a they have um, they do they have some really interesting curations so they tell you you know highly rated amazon books and you know long tail they actually have i think i remember seeing reading this about one of the earlier amazon bookstores it's that they they actually had a section of of uh, you know long tail amazon books that you know books that are highly rated but not that well known Uh, right. things are that are really uh, intelligent selections curation selections curated selections based on the data that they have you know which other um, bookstores won't have access to and 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 as you said it it also has um, also dynamic pricing so they they had i think these markers for um, uh, which which you know which, which would tell you the price on that day and you or you could scan it with the amazon app and right. uh, some right. a lot of the things that we say like basically the only person who could do that kind of a physical bookstore also turn, turns out to be amazon and they've actually sort of doubled down on it right so they've opened quite a few stores and uh, um, yeah so um, i i guess what you're referring to and just correct me if i'm if i'm wrong here uh, but you're referring to amazon books right that's the business uh, uh, i remember reading about it right yeah uh, yeah so the amazon bookstore business right so the physical bookstore business that's the subsidiary business so i don't think they have a lot of stores i think they have been there for 5 6 years now i think it it started around the same time what when, years? uh i think it started around the same time uh, i like check on the side as well it started around the same time that they were acquiring imdb and acquiring uh, audible and no no no. Um, no 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 this this is this is something that they started in 2018 or so which is the uh, actual physical amazon bookstores in seattle and and you know uh, other areas uh, so this was 2015 i have just opened google here uh, oh, 2015 okay, right. when okay. this started uh, yeah uh, but i i don't think they have a lot of stores till date right uh, this 17 doing that and as in wikipedia says 17 as of 2018 yeah. the yeah, which is now, which is low right at least for for a company that moves as fast as amazon does uh, i don't correct. think so it's more of a um, It, it's uh, not a priority it does not seem to be a priority that's that's all that's what i'm saying as an amazon can i do understand there is a lot of potential if you were an uh, entrepreneur within amazon uh, looking at books and how how you would imagine a physical bookstore uh, to be like i think the potential mm-hmm. is immense right uh, because you can set communities you can set uh, a search based kind of a thing you can use all the information that you have from your online store put that onto a, a real world store uh, and just uh, just just go bananas there right uh, the possibilities are endless whatever we have been talking about over the past 10 15 20 minutes uh, essentially mm. that is that is what you can do uh, but mm. my point uh, in the earliest uh, the, the the point that i was trying to make was essentially the focus right now is not there uh, i guess it's because the profits are not as high compared to what you would see with an aws right 
Correct. Uh, I think it's it's uh, no no upside. not just an AWS or or the or the upside that you get uh-huh. with retail with retail in general uh, or groceries in general uh-huh. like that. Yeah. So so you can uh, you can say that you know uh, as you said right, it's probably like a niche business so. Like you know, the, what what are the criticisms of, of Amazon uh, for books, right? It's it's basically that, okay, look, you know, it it lacks that community feel, and you know, it lacks that feeling of being around books. You know, the physical, the smell, you know, lot the smell, and you know, coming across books. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's some serendipity involved in stumbling upon a book, and right. things right. like that. So all of that, all of that, maybe maybe it's just to you know placate the few people who really care about that that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and, and it gives them some PR, I'm sure. But I, but you're right in the sense that you know if it's taken them five years to get to 18 stores, well, that's that's not that's not really an Amazon. It probably means that that's not like a bullish thing for them. At best, it might have been like a uh, you know a concept to play, and you know sure they're growing, but again maybe it's like a really niche and offering. It, a perfectly reversible decision as per as per business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's true. You can just switch off the investment there. But but ha. Uh, so before this, I think we are talking about this. I think we have we have spoken about this particular topic multiple times. Uh, and mm-hmm. you had a lot of ideas on how bookstores would uh, look like, right? Uh, and we're not talking about a blossoms which has uh, let's say a lot of fans in in a particular city. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, how would a normal bookstore behave like, right? Or or how how a normal bookstore would evolve uh, or should evolve rather? I, I think a lot of them are, are stuff that many of these guys are already doing, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, I mean one of the things that we spoke about is that you know uh, about conducting events and cre- creating that sort of you know local community, right? So you you not only um, you conduct you become basically an experiential this thing. Right. Because that's what that's exact. That's precisely what's lacking online, right? You have yeah. have a lot of data online, and mm-hmm. you have better pricing. But what you lack is the actual experience of being in a bookstore. So if you expand um, your notion of what a bookstore is from, you know, somebody that sells books to, uh, you know, like a book temple, right? So it has everything to do with books for book lovers. So then it becomes that okay, not only do you sell books, but you also have events for lots of authors and stuff, which which of course many bookstores do now, mm-hmm. and also maybe you know. You you start getting creative, creative along those lines. Like, what kind of experiences can you um, do for people? Like that? So obviously workshops and and that sort of thing. And many small bookstores do this, but I think it remains to be seen that you know it's not quite that simple, right? But you need to be really proactive about it, and you need to find a local community that uh, supports you. So that, for example, in that paper that I was talking about, yeah. is an HPS paper about how indie bookstores in in in, uh, in the US are coming back and. Uh, like I think there was a mention of you know some stores doing 500 events a year, which is just ridiculous, right? So imagine so you add like book readings and uh, workshops and uh, meetups and everything, right? Sure. So that really adds up to quite a bit, and that keeps you relevant if nothing else, and probably mm-hmm. adds you know and you could find I, I mean I, uh, you you made an interesting point that you know you can't really charge for most of these things, right? Maybe you can charge for workshops. Sure. For for example, a book reading is not or a book signing is not really something that you would. Um, charge for right, so so not all of them are uh, can be directly monetized. But I yeah. think if you do enough of this, you will be relevant enough that you will find way other ways to monetize, right? Sure, uh, I I think the natural one to monetize would be uh, to get that. The idea is to get footfall into your store, uh, and then yeah. obviously look for impulse purchases and uh, so on, right? And obviously try to sell other merchandises and uh, merchandising. And, Correct. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 and I, and I, exactly so the merchandising the diversification of categories i think was already happening for a long time right, right and to the point where it's 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 weird like i think if you go to a landmark bookstore now the 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 books the bookstore part is like this tiny section in the corner while mm, a large cool. part of it is like you know you can buy like clothes and shoes and uh i don't know toys and everything uh, toys and all are fine but i think recently they added clothes and shoes which is like a really weird sort of so literally half of the store is like a is like a sports store while the other half is uh, a book store, yeah, yeah. A very strange place. And I actually so uh, interestingly, like you know, I remember when Landmark first opened in Bangalore, right. and uh, it, it was this two-floor behemoth that it used to be back then, right? And it, it I've seen it whittled down to like one floor, and then <laughs> that becoming half floor. This is a location in Forum, and it's just kind of sad to see, right? And 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 now in that half floor, you have most of it goes to like other stuff, and there's one con, tiny corner of the books. This is the one it's, on, it's on Forum Mall in Bangalore, right? 
this is in Forum Hall in Bangalore. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it, I mean, stuff like that is what gives you thought on oh wow, this is uh, really a dying business. It it, um, it, it shows that the margins are not working. Uh, the margins are not working. Yeah, right. And 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 so yeah, exactly. So I think I think moving to that more experiential model is probably what. Um, works best because that, that's really your only defense against an online this thing right like you made an interesting point that uh, is it isn't it faster to create groups online right like like uh, isn't it easier I, I, to like join I was, I was coming to that yeah exactly good reads exactly yeah right so uh, like it doesn't good reads replace that i mean my my thinking would be that you know do all the things that can't be done online right so so of course you can attend webinars and join uh, good reads or join a facebook reading group Right. But there's probably also scope for like offline uh, events and uh, you know there's also scope for other like non-scalable stuff, right? Like it's why we attend also you know physical workshops and things like that. Now it's another matter that we're in the COVID age where even all the physical stuff has gone online. So would you attend a, 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 a book reading webinar on Zoom organized by Blossoms? I don't know. I mean uh, that that would just be. dystopian i guess but, but <laughs> no, uh, okay so i i have been uh, i have uh, i i do listen to i i think there is this uh, uh, thing called talks at google right uh, yeah, yeah. where they get people I, i think they get all sorts of people from all all walks of all all spheres right uh, to interact with the employees and then they record and publish it out on youtube yeah. uh, so i have listened to a lot of uh, book readings or book discussions i think harari was there okay. uh once uh, and and obviously that, that's a fairly interesting kind of a discussion right uh, so i i have attended uh, i have let's say listened to those in the past uh, those so, i do watch but but like if if you see 10 thumbnails or 20 thumbnails then i don't know if i would, i'd feel as uh, excited about it so there's one but, thing so, so so one thing that i do as in this is something that we have discussed and slightly off topic here uh in terms of discovery the best way what i found to dis- to discover uh, whether to pick a new book or not uh is essentially to listen to that particular podcast so what's happening is that if some famous person writes a book uh usually you'll end up having the moment it it gets launched for the next week or so you'll see like five podcasts coming out right so i, I think uh entries and horowitz is this amazing marketing exercise uh which is like amazing for a for a vc firm uh when ben horowitz's new book uh, got launched right so all the partners were tweeting about it i think right. uh, famously mark and reese came back on twitter and tweeted about this uh which is <laughs> which is strange but uh, but uh, i think podcast as a medium of discovering books uh, uh i think that's something that is uh, uh, uh i have uh, uh, let's say gotten used to Uh, I think, and if if you look at uh, something like uh, Farnham Street, right? So Shane Parrish does talk to a lot of people about, or uh, Tim Ferriss has that, right? Tim Ferriss and Shane Parrish both uh, talk to people about uh, various books and content that they recommend. Uh, Correct. In, in fact, I'd argue that, uh, and I think uh, I spoke to this, spoke to somebody. I'd argue that for many non-fiction books. I think the podcast replaces the book because basically one hour's worth of content in it, and the rest of it is just padding, right? So you just listen to the podcast. You're like, okay, I, I mean, I know what you're talking about now, and the rest of the, you know, the the rest of the pad, book is just padding. Like, I think we've spoken about this, right? Like most non-fiction books just deserve to be long articles, okay. and then yeah, they're padded yeah. around to like sell, right? Which is actually, I think, a, a a topic that you know we should come back to later, which I think we we thought of talking about. That what about the book itself, right? Like, right. Currently, what we're talking about is that uh, uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of words uh, printed on dead trees, right? Primarily, and and then the online, <laughs> okay, the online version of that is you know you just remove the dead trees part. It's just basically the same thing. Uh, yeah, you replace it by, with uh, with uh, global warming pixels, right? So, right so the pixels right so so I, there so, is a discussion to be had that you know is there the is there a format that is the future of the book itself right because uh, you know so one of the people i used to work with they now have this startup which they say is like the future of the book but it's basically like chapterized vertical video that is sold you know uh, it's called graphy actually i mean it's not a plug per se but i think people can check it out but it's 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 essentially um, vertical video that's chapterized and released 
and on various topics right so so they're like you know this is actually sort of what a book of the future would look like which which i thought was an interesting idea that they're, they're looking at it that way right okay so right. uh so so even if you think of podcasts as you know what if you did like a weekly podcast where you release one chapter every week right and uh, would that Very interesting. would you call that an audio book or would you call that a podcast or would you call that i, I don't know right so like one you could argue that the serial podcast is essentially a book like a the the notion of an audio book taken to the next level right it is right in a in a sense um so i mean uh, i don't know i think i feel like that's another discussion to have which is i think much more extensive and like yeah so the last idea that you just shared uh, in which you release uh, episodes of or chapters in a staggered manner uh, i think that's that's a fantastic idea i hope somebody is working on it uh, but that seems to be a a, a very interesting idea that I, at least i would personally check it out right but but maybe maybe as i said right maybe some of these uh, you know f- true crime prod podcast like serial is the most famous one but many others right. that maybe right. they they are versions of that right i mean if you think about it so um i think the moment we went from books to ebooks to audiobooks right um you're already on that spectrum of weight like where does it why can't a podcast be uh, an audiobook right and then and then you go from why can't um a youtube video be uh, a book right i mean right. what is a book then right so so uh, i don't know, I, and 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 i say this is someone who's actually a bit of a purist right i'm not actually uh, i'm a bit of a luddite in this manner i really think a book is a book the one that we know uh, right. i mean ebooks are okay but i mean basically it's a string of words right so but uh, then as reading some somebody who's saying that you know even even socrates socrates said that the written word was like death for was a bad thing because you know people don't remember as much anymore so right so i mean uh like so it turns out even books were considered bad you know at that point of time so hey right and like, and it's a um, so just from a um, let's say a, a, a spectrum of a civilization perspective i think books have yeah. been there for like 500 years now i think that's it uh or printing uh, at scale. printing press has been printing, uh, yeah printing, printing press, at scale correct uh, printing at scale uh, obviously yeah. books if you if you go back to uh, uh, people writing on leaves and walls and so on uh, that's okay. a that's text, a, a tablet uh, text obviously started with no even i think books were around for like probably 1500 years or something but they were like handwritten books so you could only produce what 5 10 copies or whatever right? but so, but at yeah. scale uh, my it's my, been 500 years it's yeah. been 500 years right gutenberg and and so on um yeah, right. so um the um, um humans as a society and this is this is going very philosophical right now uh, but yeah, humans okay. as a society i think we are more attuned to listening uh, and stories Uh, and that's how you have as in civilization india is a great example of that right india a lot of knowledge has been transferred by by voice rather than by text orally. right orally uh, in which you go to those um, uh, let's say um, math if you have to put it like that or, or temples in yeah, india yeah. in in the hindu uh, that i'm i'm aware of uh, the yeah, yeah. still the mode of communication is through is oral right it's not written uh and and uh, every morning you wake up at 4 o'clock and then you you take a bath and you recite it for the next 10 hours then as so um Correct. but that's the uh, so it's it's more attuned as humans as a society uh to consuming text or uh, consuming information through uh, uh let's say audio uh and speech it's and images it's speech and images yes uh and it's great that uh, now internet mobile and uh, the let's say the distribution of internet that's there um mm. it's it's actually going there uh, unfortunately right now it's, it's manifesting as tiktok but uh, <laughs> but uh, but but hopefully i think yeah that's there there is an argument that the next wave of amar chitrakatha would actually be on uh, a mobile device in which you actually go through a story right uh, and true. that's that's something that at least i feel that it is a natural evolution towards uh, towards audio uh, as a whole it will be very slow it will be very difficult because of all sorts of distractions uh but uh, that's i think that's that is a natural way of moving uh, from a from a philosophical perspective if i have to put it like true. that that's true and i and yeah when we haven't we haven't uh, you know touched on the interactivity part right like a lot of people have tried this right like these interactive ebooks um, on ipads and stuff where you can you can choose the ending and you know you can uh, choose which character you want to be and things like that right so that is still like an intermediate thing but as you said maybe the biggest barrier is uh, you know our own distractions Right. So because you have so many um 
maybe other formats that are not really bookish in the sense. So I, I guess then it becomes like, you know, what if just, just, just maybe TikTok is just books, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think we can just close by saying what is a book, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I guess you, you would have, uh, you suggested this like four or five episodes back. Um, on the audible books that uh, BBC Radio Four produces, right? Uh, those yeah. place, place, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Those are actually yeah. Those are radio plays that they do, and they're, they're exactly what we just spoke. They are radio plays that they do, like old-fashioned radio, right. uh, episodic radio, and then they, they they compile them and publish it as an audio book. So, um, so yeah. I mean, uh, I think this is like a, this can go on, and um, we. You know, we'll probably have to come back to the books topic in a while, right? I feel like we we touched, we you know, we're breaking off at an interesting point. Right, right. That you know, what, I, I think it seems like a recurring thing that we always come back to, like what is information and how you know what is the future, how does information sort of categorize itself and how do people consume it? Right. Um, so I, I think that's like you know that's an interesting, probably a recurring theme and like this larger theme that you know, uh, information and yeah. So, and I don't really. Um, it's fascinating, right? We, we don't really know how all of it will play out, but um, it's fascinating how, you know, habits are changing and all of that. Right. I, I, uh, I think so. Uh, let's close for now. Before we go, uh, Achut, would you recommend anything that um, you've been reading or consuming? Yeah. Uh, so a uh, few things. Uh, so I have been, uh, so the last episode, when we, when we uh, recorded the last episode, I just started uh, a book called Dealers of Lightning, right? Which is um, yeah. essentially detailing out the story and the characters behind Xerox Spark, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm like 60%, 65% through the book. Um, and it's a very yeah. interesting interesting um, uh, read, right? Uh, given all the characters that are there uh, and given the amount of innovation that happened, right? Both from a, a, a corporate perspective, which we don't typically associate corporates like Xerox yeah. setting up offices and so on. Um, yeah. And eventually, I, I think now the book is coming to a point where we are realizing that uh, how Xerox is not able to understand or, or the, the, the corporate Xerox is not able to understand the amount of innovation that has already happened in a separate office in California. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're just missing the bus there. Um, just one uh, caveat, I think it's a fairly popular opinion, even I was uh, under the same impression. I think it's a fairly popular opinion with a, uh, within the whole tech ecosystem that Xerox Park was essentially a total corporate failure, right? Um, that is not the case. I think uh, the mm. laser printer came out of Xerox Park, which essentially made up for all the investments that went into Park. Um, for Xerox as a corporate entity when they just scaled Xerox, uh, the, the laser printer out to the market. So that's just one, one caveat. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I wasn't aware of that. I think uh, uh, so they, so Ethernet, uh, laser printers, the Alto, uh, these are the, mm. the things that were uh, essentially built on and the mouse obviously is a, is a fairly, uh, it's a well-known story. Uh, so right. that's, that's a, that's a I, I would recommend that book as in having let's say one two thirds into the book, uh, I would again recommend that book uh, once more as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a couple of uh, more things. Uh, there's this one episode that uh, Anderson Horowitz uh, did a couple of, I think a month back or so on uh, mm -hmm. GPT-3. Um, oh. And uh, I actually went there to just understand GPT-3 GPT and the implications and so on. Uh, but essentially uh, it's a 30 minute podcast uh, and uh, for the first 16 minutes, they do talk about GPT-3 and obviously people can, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a decent primer on, uh, on GPT-3. But uh, mm -hmm. in the second half, essentially, they just start talking about uh, how do you build businesses uh, or how do you build businesses with in the AI, uh, uh, let's say, in the AI age, right, if you have to put it like that. Right. Uh, on how AI would be consumed by individual applications, uh, more on right. the services kind of, or AI as a service, right? That is something that uh, essentially is the crux of GPT-3 because they are just taking care of all the infrastructure requirements or the training sets, uh, the long tail problem that obviously you have in AI. Uh, and that is something that can be just, it's readily available for individual application developers to just build applications on top of that, that infrastructure that uh, GPT-3 provides to, to everybody else. Hmm. 
Nice. I should. I should check this out. Nice. So that's there on our uh, uh, Twitter handle as well. We we'll share the link of uh, these two things uh, in the podcast notes. Nice. Anything that you are consuming and you would recommend? Uh, there's there's one article that I was going to recommend, and it suddenly struck me that I, I realized that it has the same name as our last episode. Uh, it's okay. a Morgan Housel article called uh, "Long Term Pessim Sorry, Long Term Optimism, Short Term Pessimism." Okay. Which is sort of you know what he said at macro pessimistic, uh, macro optimistic, and micro micro pessimistic. Uh-huh. He talks about more from the perspective of money, like a lot of his articles. Right. This is the uh, Morgan Housel is the I mean he has he runs something called Collaborative Fund and he writes a lot right. about money right some really interesting yeah. posts yeah. on yeah. money yeah. and life and uh, i don't really follow him like for much for finance and stuff but he has some of these interesting articles and they're really great so this one actually was um i mean broadly he comes back to the same thing that you know he says um, save for the short term like you assume that the worst is going to happen uh, mm-hmm. like for example in this pandemic right now that you know you don't actually know when, when it's going to end and you know uh, when things are going to happen so you should be prepared for it even financially right. but um, but you're long term optimistic that you, you you assume that we're going to come out of this better stronger and all of that so a lot of the themes that you mentioned in the last episode but with more of a financial um, focus and i don't know i i felt like it actually was quite clarifying in many ways it was quite good uh, i will share that right um i i actually I, th- I think i should also mention this that there is uh, how i found this article is uh, I I am I I want some app called Sublist which is like a I think we've spoken about this before but not on the podcast which is it's 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 a it's a broadcasting app imagine if you took like mailing lists and and made them into whatsapp groups instead like right. messaging uh lists uh one way messaging lists broadcast lists so this is an app that does just that right and there are a bunch of creators on it and I mean people run channels and stuff so one of them who I think is the founder I'm not sure Uh, of this app, it's an Indian app, and uh, shares articles every day. So he shares a lot of these, this blog uh, and stuff. Palak Satakia. Yes, yes. Oh, did you just Google it? No, no, no. I am. So I am one of the. So I, uh, I have used Sublist in the past. Um, ah, yes. A couple of months back, uh, when we were, and as in kind of just uh, okay. Uh, so it's a. <laughs> Uh, so uh, it's like now hashtag forever alone kind of thing. So I just uh, obviously keep checking out uh, applications that I found it find interesting. So I am one of the uh, the broadcasters on um, on Sublist. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I okay, haven't. Excellent. I I don't think I have broadcasted anything there yet. Um, mm. That I think let's discuss that in a separate episode. I think there are a lot of improvement that can be done. I think the the one drawback that I saw with Sublist it's a fantastic it's a it's a fantastic idea. uh yeah. and obviously pallak satakia is extremely popular on twitter and he writes great stories right he writes lovely threads on twitter as really? well so, okay yeah yes yeah, so oh, okay i wasn't aware of that okay so i i found him i found him and then i found the application and so on um oh, and okay. uh, yeah so um but yeah so sublist is uh, uh the the only problem there is it it does help you in broadcasting uh, so there's no back and forth that you see with twitter influencers uh but uh it's not it's, i i don't think i think it should be focused towards monetizing the the broadcasters uh, i don't think it does a great job in monetizing them uh something similar to what substack does right uh yeah so if if that can be included into this particular application that's that's a it's a world beater actually it doesn't i mean i feel like it's a, it's a fairly uh, i won't say buggy but it's kind of it's a, it's a very basic a clunky app. app yeah it's a clunky app it's, it's kind of clunky <laughs> it's a clunky app Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. It's probably a side project. I'm not too sure, but um, but but given that I did find this article and a couple of other articles via this medium, I think it, I think it's worth you know giving them. But, but do check out as in for for anybody who's listening, do check out Palak Zatakia on Twitter. I think he writes lovely threads on let's say history of a particular company and so on. Uh, really? Okay. I I will check this out. I was unaware. <laughs> uh even though I follow his uh, sublist. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you were saying about sublist, yes. uh no no that, that's that's about it that you know i i thought um, given that th- this uh, this particular article and a couple of others that i read recently were via the source i thought you know it's worth giving them some pr so, yeah but but if i i think it it it, it kind of uh, scares me right now uh, given that the two content recommendation i always say but honest to god we haven't spoken about this uh, before this episode 
but uh, I was looking at uh, a particular book by uh, or trying to buy a particular book uh, by Morgan Housel in the morning itself today. Uh, so <laughs> I, if there is a filter bubble, I think that's a, we need to just get out of that particular filter bubble. Uh, but there was some some book on money, obviously, writes on money, psychology of money, psychology of money. Yeah, no, actually, it, it's it's actually a viral article of uh, viral. I mean, I don't know. There's a really popular article of his, his most popular article, I think, which is sure. called Psychology of Money, which is like sure. a two-year-old article, I think. So that became so popular that now he's turning it into a book, basically. Ah, uh, okay. What okay. I understand. So, so. But there's somebody and called. I think some other stuff as well. Hmm. Uh, somebody called Abhishek Gupta, who runs a financial startup based out of London. Uh, I don't remember his exact name, but but yeah, uh, he uh, he essentially tweeted the photograph of that particular book, and uh, saying that this is a book that I read uh, cover to covers uh, in a long, long time. So after a long, long time, so that is something that is there with, uh, and that's why I went to. Um, um, to Amazon, I mean, very interesting given the given the episode, given the topic that we just discussed. Uh, that essentially I was looking for the same book by Morgan Housel on Amazon uh, and trying to purchase that. I think as of recording, you can only pre-order it, right? I don't think it's released yet. I mean, I think I, I think it's a different book. It was available, so I guess it's a different book. Uh, we will uh, share the notes. Uh, we just released them, yeah. Actually, yeah, 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 we'll, yeah. we'll throw in that as well. Uh, Might as well, yeah. Yeah, might as well. Okay. Okay, sounds good. I think we're almost at the hourly mark. We think we should uh, call it quits now. Uh, good episode. We should um, um, we'll come back to, with you, with, to you with like newer stuff. And we also hit 20, which is um, a great Fantastic. landmark, I think, yeah. for us. Fantastic. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll have many more of these ahead. Uh, on to 50, as Achit says. Uh, happy listening, guys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye.